Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We're in a series called Grown Ups and we're looking intently at this book of James. And it's a letter, so it's really the epistle of James. It's this letter written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. And he writes this letter to the early church who were being dispersed throughout the area because they were under major persecution because they were claiming Jesus as the Messiah. And so they were running for their lives. And, and James writes this letter to the church that was scattered abroad. And, and he wants to make sure that they're continuing maturing their faith. Because just like you and just like me, sometimes we can have great intentions, but we can kind of get stuck in our development. See, I, I've said this the whole series, that growing old is mandatory, growing up is optional. And, and so you can just get stuck in this place of immaturity with your life, and, and in the same capacity, you can get stuck in your spiritual development where you may have known the Lord for, you know, uh, 10 years, uh, 20 years, but yet you really haven't developed yourself more than just, you know, showing up to church and reading your Bible that James says, no, God has an agenda for your life, that he loves you the way you are, but he refuses to leave you in that place, that he wants to grow you up spiritually. Last week we talked about relationships and today, well, we're going to talk about the marks of spiritual maturity because there is a verse in James that you probably have heard before. Maybe you didn't know it was in the book of James, but we're going to circle it. We're going to highlight it. We're going to jump into it because I believe that in this one verse, you will find the why reason of, of really you know, the, the whole purpose of you being a part of God's kingdom. And you know about the why, right? I don't know if you 
when you were growing up, if your parents told you this story, or maybe you had kids and, and they did this to you, but there's a stage of development, and it's somewhere between two and four years old, where kids get really inquisitive and like to ask why. And I, my kids had that. Josiah is more the analytical one over my other kids. And so he was more in the inquisitive, you know, why, Dad? Why, why, why? It's not just enough like, hey, you know, here's what we're doing. Why are we doing that? I, I don't know if you had a kid like this. Now, when I was young, I was a teenager when my oldest brother had his first son. And I remember as a teenager, my little nephew, this is my first nephew, and we were, we would be watching him and he would just follow me around asking me why obnoxiously. Like, you don't have to know the reason for every little thing we do, but he did because he wanted to learn. He wanted to develop. And, and so as you develop spiritually, I really want you to know the why. Why do we show up to church? And some of us, we show up early and set this place up and then we stay late and we tear it down. And, and why do we get up in the morning and have our devotional time? Why, why do we seek God in prayer? Why do we share our faith with other people? And what James is going to tell us here is that there's a big reason why. So let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this letter that James wrote to the church that, God, it's the, it's the most practical book of the New Testament in my mind. And I love camping out on it. I love studying it because, Lord, I believe there's more spiritual development you want to do in me. There's more spiritual development you want to do in all of us. So, Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to work on our souls and help us become more fully developed followers of Jesus because we've spent this time in your word this morning. And we thank you in advance for how you're going to do that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. James chapter 1, verse 27. It says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now, I don't know if you've been raised up in the church to where almost hearing the word religion, there's like a negative pushback. For me, when I first started coming to church, I was told that we don't practice religion, we practice relationship. And that was kind of built in to my understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that I don't have a religion, I have a relationship, but yet the Bible says that we have religion. So religion is part of your faith journey, whether you want to admit it or not. And religion isn't a bad term. Religion simply defined in this Greek language here of what it was originally written in is to worship God. That's really in essence, generally speaking, what religion is. It's, it's man's pursuit of God. Now Christianity is different from other religions in the sense that other religions are trying to earn the favor of God by doing all of these works for God. But Christianity is God's pursuit of us. But still, to have a relationship, it's a two-way street. So even though God is pursuing us, there has to be a pursuit on our part towards God. And that's the religion part of our faith, is that God has pursued you, that you have unsurpassable worth, that he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die for you so that you could be reestablished in heaven with him. But that's just one aspect of the relationship. The other relationship aspect is you pursuing God. 
And so what James is telling us here is that God's intent is for you to pursue Him, but the way that you pursue Him is by taking care of the widows and the orphans and making sure that you stay unstained from the world. He says, that is how you really pursue me well. If you really wanted to kind of find out how you pursue God or why you pursue God, that he's saying, if you really want to pursue me well, then this is what you do. It's this pure and undefiled religion, meaning that there is, in a sense, religion that is unpure or impure and defiled. That there is a way that you can pursue God to where it's not really what he wants and what is really beneficial for you spiritually to develop your faith. And what is an example of this where you are seeking God or you're worshiping God with impurities or, or in a defiled way? I think the Pharisees give us a great example. If you do follow our daily reading plan, we've been in the book of Psalms and the book of Luke. And on Thursday mornings, I've been doing this interactive Bible study on Facebook. If you do Facebook, you can join us every Thursday morning from 7 to 7.30. We do just this morning devotional. It's kind of fun. Uh, we archive it, so in case you can't watch it between 7 and 7.30. But this Thursday, we jumped into Luke chapter 11. And what's interesting about Luke 11 is that we read about these Pharisees that were having these interactions with Jesus. And matter of fact, one of them asked Jesus to come over his house for lunch. And Jesus accepted the invitation. Now, if you really look at Scripture, Jesus had a hard time with these Pharisees because these were the professional religious people of Jesus' time. These were the guys that were so into church, I mean, that they knew every little you know, thing that they were supposed to do, and they tried to follow it as best they can. And, and so they were professional worshipers of God. And Jesus had the hardest time with these guys. Because they had lost the why. They had gotten, kind of gotten caught up in the religiosity of their pursuit of God that they really lost track of what God really wanted from their lives. And in Luke 11, we read this encounter that Jesus has. And it says, now when Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him. And he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw it, he was surprised that Jesus had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. But the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you, you are full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity, and then all things are clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, and yet disregard justice and the love of God. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. See, we can have a tendency to get caught up in the details that we lose sight of the purpose. In times past, we would have people come over our house and my wife is probably like a lot of you ladies that she wanted her house to be immaculate and make sure it was clean. And my version of clean and Tara's version of clean are just different versions. All right? And, and so she would ask me, hey, help me get ready for company to come over. And so I'd start helping. But, but see, 
I would get distracted. And so I would go into our room and I would go in our closet when I'd put something away in the closet. And I'm like, well, while I'm in the closet, I need to kind of put some stuff away in the closet, make sure it's nice and organized. And so she would come in there an hour later and like, what are you doing in the closet? I go, hey, I'm organizing the closet because you asked me to help. She goes, nobody's coming into our closet. Why, why are you in the closet organizing the closet? And I said, because you asked me to help you. She goes, I need help with the house. Like, like you know, the living room where we're all going to be sitting and all that to say, I have a distraction issue. And if I'm in a room and a squirrel comes in the room, I'm not going to be paying attention anymore. I'm going to be like, squirrel, I'm just... I don't know if that's it, the, the ADD in me. I don't know what it is, but I think all of us are prone to get distracted and we can get pulled off the purpose in these details that really are meaningless, that, that are still important. And Jesus is saying here, these, these things that you're doing, these religious practices of tithing and, and, and really being, you know, concerned about the kingdom of God, those are important, but you're forsaking the bigger matter, which is the charity that you ought to be showing to other people. And, and also how you're loving God by how your lifestyle and, and what you're doing internally with this relationship with God. Jesus was calling them out. In that chapter alone, there are six woe to yous. So anytime Jesus starts a sentence off with woe to you, it's not good, all right? And there's six of them there. And as, and as much as I, I want to get upset at the Pharisees, there's a little Pharisee in all of us. There, there's a little bit of this idea of, I like my routine. I, I like to have things figured out. And this is what I'm going to do. And, and we go into these I guess, moments with God with this like regulatory ceremonial kind of routine where it loses the value of why we're even doing this. And, and what I mean by that is, see, you, we can show up to church every week like this. We can read the Bible every once in a while. We can write our check and pay our tithe online and we can still feel really far from God. You can get so into this routine that it really, it, you stop experiencing God altogether, but yet you're still doing all the right things, but yet you don't feel connected to God at all. Because God's saying, as important as those things are, the more important thing is when you start helping other people. If you really want to start experiencing me, then you really need to start showing charity to other people and really making sure that you protect yourself from being caught up in the rhythm of the things that this world does. This is what he's talking about. So, yeah, doing devotions is important. Coming to church is important. Paying your tithe is important. All right? All of those things are important but they're not going to be replacements for the most important thing, which is taking care of God's most valuable commodity, and that is another human being. The thing that is most valuable to God isn't the regulations that you keep. It's the people that He puts in your path. Let, let's talk about these. Let, let's break them down. Uh, the first thing is visit 
the orphans and widows in their distress. That word visit means to look after. doesn't mean like you show up at their house and, and it's like, hey, I'm visiting you. This is like, like looking after, like, like you're watching out for them. You're making sure that they're okay. I, I don't know if you've ever been put in charge of, hey, look after uh, this person. But your job is like, hey, I'm, I'm going to make sure that they're taken care of, they're safe, they're fed, they're secure. That's, that, that's what it means to look after, not necessarily like sitting in the room and, and visiting them. And then that word distress in the Greek language, it really means to be pressed, to be pressured. And so what James is saying is that the purpose of why God is coming to our life is so that we can really go and look after people that are being pressured in life, that have no help to help them, that are hurting, that really have been abandoned for the most part in in First century, second century times, there was no welfare system. So if you lost your husband to, say, a disease or to a war, you were on your own. There's no social security system. And so a lot of times these widows, these women would try to get remarried so that they would have, you know, somebody to take care of them. But a lot of times that wouldn't happen. And so they were left without any kind of income, without any kind of, of resources to help give them what they need. So they were sold into human trafficking a lot of times back then. They were uh, really left to beg in the the places where the, the, the travelers would come in and out of the city. And widows would do this. And then the orphans were right there with them. There was no support system to take care of them. And so when James is writing this letter, he's like, hey, we could be doing a lot of good and trying to connect to God and worship God, but there are ways that we can worship God in front of us with these widows and with these orphans. Now, this is, the Bible is full of Scripture telling us how God wants us to take care of the poor and the hurting. I mean, I don't have time to go over every single verse that we have in Scripture that reminds us that God's heart is all about the poor. God's heart is all about uh, you know, the, the people that are hurting. God's all about the people that can't really help themselves. Let me give you a couple of examples just to write these down in your notes and you can look at these later. But Psalm 68, it says, Father to the fatherless defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. This is God's agenda. He wants to be the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. Proverbs 14, verse 31 it says, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. The orphans and the widows are the needy. They're the ones that don't have anybody caring for them. Proverb 19, verse 17. It says, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. These are things that God is asking us to do. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul's talking about this idea of widows and orphans, and he, and he wants to circle something because... If you have a family member 
that is widowed or orphaned, your job as their family member is to help them. It's not the church's job primarily to help them. It's your job as a family member. And Paul circles this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. He says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. There's that word religion again. And it's tied up with, hey, if you have people in your own family, your first and foremost act of religion is your worship to God is to take care of your own. So how do, how do we do this in our day and age? Because as I looked at the scripture, obviously we don't live in first and century Palestine here. We don't live in, in this ancient world system, but there are still widows and orphans. They've just kind of transitioned in, in who they really are. So I was looking at our modern culture and I was like, well, Lord, who are the, the widows and the orphans? Who are the, the ones that are really needy? Who are, who are feeling really helpless because of life circumstances? Because that's, that's really the gist of the widows and the orphans, the needy, the people that really need uh, somebody to help them. I, I thought the single parent. In our day and age, 44% of marriages fail, leaving most families as single parents or blended families. So there are many, many women and even men that are struggling to make ends meet with their own kids because they only have half the support they would have had if the marriage would have made it. And the statistics get worse from there. Second marriages have a 60% failure rate. Third marriages have over a 70% failure rate. So not to say your marriage is doomed if you're on a second or third marriage, but in our culture, it's more than likely going to happen to most people where you're going to have a space, at least half the time, where you're going to be raising a kid by yourself. And if you talk to any single parent, they're going to tell you one thing. It's tough. It's tough. Trying to make ends meet, trying to pay all the bills, and then trying to navigate a child and take them to practice and still go work your job. In ministry, over the last 20 years, I've seen some single moms that just were warriors. Uh, this one mom, Sharon, that uh, I had her kids in my youth group. This is years ago. This is you know, uh, before you really had uh, people accepting single parenting as just a, a common part of life. And, and she had three kids, and she did not miss a church service. She was there faithfully. She had her kids involved in everything that the church was doing. And I saw her because she was working a job that required her to work 50 hours a week, and yet she still made sure that, you know, the, the kids were there. And not just at church, she had them in, in extracurricular activities like band and sports. And, and I, I remember talking to Sharon and just saying, I just, I'm watching you from the sideline and I'm just in awe with what you're doing. She says, Pastor Jim, this is tough. And I just value my church community kind of being able to be there and help me to raise these kids and especially you as their youth pastor to help instill these godly values into my kids, knowing how tough and difficult their childhood has been not having a dad in their life. Uh, a good friend of mine, Kyle, in the Las Vegas church, he was a single dad. 
And you think, well, he's the dad, so things are easier on him. No, not necessarily. In some, in some cases, they're more difficult. Because he's trying to navigate and trying to play mom and dad and still trying to make all this money. And I've had to help Kyle a few times personally just because it was tough on him raising this young boy on his own. And him and my son became kind of good friends uh, while we were living in Vegas. So single parenting, trying to make ends meet and trying to be there for your kids, it's tough. Uh, the second part of this is foster care or adoption. You know, I was talking to Anna, who is here representing the Ventura County uh, Department of Human Services uh, in the, um, they call it the Faith in Motion Division, where they're partnering with churches in the area to help uh, inspire families, good, you know, followers of Jesus, families that can really help these kids that are in the foster care program. She was telling me on Friday that right now there are uh, 780 children in the foster care program in Ventura County alone. And she was excited because she said just a, um, a year ago, that number was up closer to 1,600. But because of some changes in the legal system and being able to get these kids uh, more to uh, families, uh, that, that number has been able to be reduced. But still almost 800 kids right now don't have a stable family to really belong to because of moms and dads that maybe are caught up in addiction, maybe they're incarcerated, but for one reason or another, all of these kids are displaced from their biological mom or dad or both. I was thinking, wow, what a great opportunity for the church. Tara and I became advocates in Kern County right uh, before we planted Atmosphere Church, and we were really convinced that we were going to be a home uh, for uh, one of the, the kids in Kern County to be able to come and live with us. And, and uh, we went through all the classes, and we did all of the things that we were supposed to go through, got certified, did the home inspection. Man, what a process. But I, I, I'm so glad we did that process, even though we never got the phone call, even though the child never came into our home. I'm so grateful that I went through the process and I understand the value of making families like Tara and I available. And, and I just learned so much. And I was like, wow, I really want to be a champion to help other Christian families become foster care uh, parents and mentors. Uh, she was sharing with me on the phone, one of the biggest needs they have right now are some of these teenagers that are still in the system that they're probably more than likely not going to end up with a family to adopt them. And they're going to age out without ever having a regular adopted mom or dad. Can you imagine starting life with just that, without that stability of like, yeah, I have a mom and a dad in my life. And so they are creating these mentorship programs now that are able to help these students after they turn 18 where, you know, Five years ago, they, they just told these kids, tough luck. We don't know what to do with you uh, other than, hey, we're going to give you some money and hope you make wise decisions in your life. One of the one of the biggest markets for tr sex traffickers were these kids that were aging out of the foster care programs. I met some of them as prostitutes in Vegas, and I just got to say, well, what? Yeah, we had a really strong ministry at our Vegas church uh, with these women 
that had gotten caught up in the sex trafficking industry. One of my good friends, Annie LaBear, runs a ministry. This is a real ministry. She calls it Hookers for Jesus. Really is. But she's out there on the streets and she's getting these women into what she calls Destiny House. And I'm hoping that Annie is going to be able to come and share her story one of these Sundays to Atmosphere Church. But it's incredible what God is doing through her. And she is a former prostitute. And so what bigger ministry and, and how she could turn around something that was bad in her life to now something so amazing for her life where she's able to rescue some of these other women that are caught up in it. But all that to say, foster care and being an advocate for these kids, I think, is another great way that we could do it. Uh, one of the things that I've been aware of since coming to the Thousand Oaks area is senior care. And with the baby boomers that are retiring, that are having all kinds of health issues now, uh, what we're finding in this area is that a lot of them have been left by their their sons and daughters who became professional moves in different parts of the uh, the United States. So these these uh, elderly people are here in our valley, but yet they don't have anybody to really watch out for them and and to help keep their eye on them and to look out for them. And so even though they do have kids, a lot of their kids are not followers of Jesus. They're out there pursuing their hopes and dreams and leaving mom and dad kind of defend for themselves in their homes. And uh, we're doing a serve day here in a couple of weeks on on uh, March the 16th. And we're partnering with Action VC, which is Action Ventura County. And they get requests by all kinds of people to help do these little one-day projects. And their website right now is full of projects that involve us going to seniors' homes that just have basic repairs that need to be done, but they are not able to do it themselves. And because most of them are on fixed incomes, and you know, this is not a newsflash for anybody here, but the cost of living here is pretty high. And so their fixed income going to their cost of living, uh, groceries, medications, doctor visits, there's hardly anything left over to do anything but to just survive. And so they're asking for people to come over and do these repairs and so they can continue to maintain life on their own. You know, my dad is 81. My dad is going through some medical issues now as he's getting older. And I see the value of just being able to uh, be there for my dad. And I was thinking, like, if, if my dad were on his own, if my brother or I weren't around to help, like, what would he do? And, and there are programs called Meals on Wheels that will go deliver food uh, to the elderly. And you can volunteer. And I would love Atmosphere Church to be uh, you know, one of their church sponsors that we can maybe do something on a on a big scale besides just doing these serve days where we go and do these simple repairs. Uh, but even going and visiting these guys in the assisted living programs, even though they're being looked after there, I mean, just being able to go and show up and say, hey, we, we just want to love you and just let you know that you're not forgotten. There, We have another friend in the Las Vegas church that created uh, 320 Ministries where she helps churches connect with assisted living programs and bring church service to these guys. And I would love for Atmosphere Church to be able to do that in the future, where we can do a church service right there for these seniors that are pretty much forgotten about, and we could bring the Holy Spirit to them in, in the service. I think that'd be so cool. And uh, uh, we had somebody, one of our own, Lisa, she took initiative on her own. She went to an assisted living uh, program at Valentine's Day, and she found out 
some of the people that had been widowed, and she gave Valentine's Day packages out to all of the widows within the assisted living program. And she did that on her own. I was like, wow, that is what it's about. And she did that. And I just love that. I love hearing stories like that. But the other part of, of helping the widows and the orphans, for me personally, it's also supporting people around the globe that are really on bare bones budgets trying to take care of orphan and vulnerable children. And I brought Bob and Helen today so that they can kind of be here to talk to you after service because I want us as a new church to partner with the Old Vegas Church to see to it that we continue to help our pastor in Zambia, Africa, can uh, to have him be able to continue to do the school that we've been able to watch him lead for the last 10 years. When we first were introduced to Pastor Ernest, he had, I think, Bob, what, about 40 students. It was really low. Um, and uh, since we've been helping and partnering with him, he's been able to take more and more of these orphan and vulnerable children into his church, uh, and they double their church over as a school during the day. And now they're serving over 300 kids. I think they're up to 380 kids. And he's also taken on a second school. And that school has about 80 kids. And so we see that God is using Pastor Ernest and his wife Laika to do incredible things for the orphans and, and vulnerable children in Zambia, Africa. And I was like, how cool would it be that the new church campus can join the old church campus and we can continue to see God use us to do incredible things with Pastor Ernest and Laika. So I know this is like kind of new for you. And so I brought a video that we did a few years ago. And Pastor Ernest does a um, personal greeting for us, uh, Atmosphere Church, so that you can kind of see him and get to know him. So watch this video. I get teary-eyed uh, because I feel like those are my kids. We've gotten to know some of these kids over the last 10 years that, that we've been going there. And Michael, uh, Pastor Ernest actually adopted him to be his son. Like he was a, a, a stranger before uh, Ernest began the school. But he has such a heart for these kids. He adopted Michael. And uh, Michael is now 18 years old. We watched this kid grow up. And let me tell you, Pastor Ernest and Laika are legit. And I I am not opposed to World Vision or Compassion International or some of these other programs that are doing amazing things around the globe. But what's special about us doing this is that 100% of what we give goes directly to the school. They don't have free education like we have in the States. And a lot of people don't understand that. And so if they want to be educated, they have to pay for their schooling. So what we're doing is we're offsetting that cost so they could get to go to school for free. We pay their teachers to uh, salaries and we're able to buy these kids what they need so they can eat during their school time. And a lot of these kids, that will be the only meal they get to eat for that day. It's just crazy. When we went over there, the HIV epidemic uh, was taking out moms and dads like crazy. There are so many orphan kids now because the United States has really partnered with Zambia in a lot of different ways. They're given a lot of these HIV treatments to where it's not as uh, uh, prevalent as it was even 10 years when we started this thing. But there are still so many of these kids that don't have a mom or a dad uh, because of the, the illnesses that they succumb to. I think when we started going there, the average lifespan of a Zambian man was 45 years old. It was crazy. 
And, and some of these girls start having babies at, at 13, 14 years old. And the unemployment rate is 75% because they're uneducated. They don't really understand a lot of things. Uh, but when we can educate them, when we could feed them, and when we can disciple them in the ways of Christ, these kids are coming out of the school and we're witnessing it. We're, we're witnessing uh, three of them that I know of have become teachers. One of them, John, is at the school now. He was a student and he was an orphan kid. Now he's teaching at the school uh, that he started at. Uh, a couple of them have become doctors. So this is legit, you guys. Um, so if you want to sponsor a kid, uh, we're asking for $30 a month sponsors. And we're actually partnering with the Vegas campus. So when you give online, it will actually take you to the, the Las Vegas campus where you can give and you know, say Africa Fund. But you'll get these little cards at the, um, at the table just to remind you of the website. Most of you guys give online anyway, so there's a button where you can become a recurring giver uh, on their website, and I just want to partner with them. They have one guy who's been very generous uh, for several years, and he's helping the budget. The budget is about 5700 a month to take care of all these kids, and he is going to be doing something different, so we're losing a $1,500 a month sponsor. So I said, you know what? Atmosphere Church, we're brand new, but man, that is a generous church. I think we can get there. I think we can start giving and, and uh, make up that uh, deficiency with this uh, uh, donor that's going to be going a different direction. So pray about it. You don't have to do it today, but just um, think about it because there is opportunities, what I'm getting at, for you to actually fulfill the why and help you continue to develop yourself spiritually, whether it's helping out in Africa helping out with our seniors and getting involved in some of these programs, going and becoming a licensed foster care advocate or even a mentor with the program. Anna is going to be at a table after service to answer any questions that you might have about that program and about how she says right now there are 90 kids within the almost 800 kids that are ready to be adopted legally, that you could become their mom and dad uh, if you would open your home and open your heart uh, to some of these kids. Uh, but you can talk to her after service is over. And if you got some ideas besides the serve day that how we can help our seniors, I know Marla and I have talked uh, about uh, extensively like what we could do to on a long-term basis as a church to really uh, meet that need. That'd be awesome. I have a lot of other stuff to cover, but we're out of time. So you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm just going to say this, and we'll probably come back to this. I, I brought an apron because, you know, I love about aprons is it, it really helps not only the person that you're helping know that you're there to serve them, but it also, I think, in a way, kind of reminds you of why you're here. And, and I started thinking about that, that we're called to keep watch, to look out for the widows and the orphans in their time of pressure. But we're also to be unstained from the world. And unstained doesn't mean to be isolated from the world. It means to be insulated. It means that you should have a, a protection just so that you can keep yourself out of the, the craziness of this world. And I just think, man, an apron kind of helps us both ways because it, it really keeps the world from really splashing on our souls and it, and it kind of positions us to every day that we're reminded like, hey, I know my purpose. My purpose is to serve God's kingdom by serving other people and not letting the mess of this world get splashed up on me. 
I, I, I like this scripture, and I'm going to end with this verse. It says, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh in Galatians. It says, and all we who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. See, I always looked at this as like, I'm putting on like this robe, like royalty. I'm the king, you know, because I, you know, Jesus is the prince of peace. So I, I'm part of royalty now. But in real life, what Jesus told us and how he demonstrated his life is like, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, then you must learn how to be a servant. And the more that you serve, the more that you're growing closer and closer to God. So we need to, church, learn how to put our aprons on. We need to learn how to visit orphans and widows in times of distress and keep ourselves unstained from the world. I have way more to, to go over, but I'm going to have to put a part two in this next week, all right? Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.